cough drop in one cheek, so I hope you can understand what I'm saying. So I imagine it will probably come as no surprise to many of you that I sang in choir in high school. And lucky me that I get to continue enjoying choir while here at Temple Salel. What a beautiful sound to have with us on the bima and in this sanctuary. I was a choir kid at heart, but I also tried out yearly for the fall musical, which required a solo song, a monologue, and, woe to 16-year-old me, a dance audition. I was not, at that point, the most physically coordinated of humans. And I have a crystal clear memory of dance tryouts for Les Mis my junior year. I believe I ended up playing washerwoman number four. <laughs> trying to waltz around the stage of my high school auditorium. I did the best I could. One, two, three, one, two. Three. I looked like that. And at the end, my choir teacher laughed and said to me, you're such a Langowitz. <laughs> what do you mean, I asked. He said, everyone else was waltzing, and I was just watching you, well, thinking. <laughs> I seemed to internalize from a young age that there were physical people and there were cerebral people. And I was, well, you can guess. <laughs> Everyone else could run a mile in gym class, but I could tell you how many feet were in a mile and divide that into factors. Thank you very much. I had a body, which was there for carrying me around, I supposed, but I had a brain, and that was where all the good stuff happened. The thinking and the puzzles, the imagining, the interpreting of the world around me. It was where I processed meaning and spirit and beauty and joy. My brain, I believed, was where my me lived. It took me many years of self-reflection and yoga to finally discover what this week's Torah portion of Vaishlach inherently understands. Our bodies are not just frail vehicles for our true selves to roam around in. Our bodies are part of who we are. And we need physicality to connect to meaning and spirit and beauty and joy. Torah does not just live up here. It lives here and here and here and everywhere else out there too. Vaishlach is a very physical portion. Wrestling, bowing, fording rivers. You can feel the movement emanating from the page. And at the heart of this portion, the story of Dina, we see physicality's darker side sexual violence and bloodshed, and after Rachel's death and childbirth. This evening, though, I am interested in two moments in Jacob's story. The night he spends alone by the river, anticipating a clash with his estranged brother Esau, and the next day when the twins finally reunite. 
In both scenes, our patriarch is deeply enmeshed in his own physical being. And it's when he's at his most physical, perhaps his most physically vulnerable, that he has the most direct encounters with the divine. The first scene many of us know well, the pivotal moment when our patriarch and our people receive the name Yisrael, one who struggles with God. Jacob, alone on the banks of the river Yabok, is confronted with a mysterious ish, a figure or a being, who wrestles with him until dawn. Now many interpreters have tried to understand who exactly this ish is. Some say it is Jacob wrestling with his own soul. Others that this being is an expression of his struggle with his brother. But the most classical interpretation is that he is wrestling with some manifestation of the divine. This is cemented when he names the site of his encounter Peniel, the face of God. For as he declares, I have seen a divine being face to face, yet my life has been preserved. Jacob's face-to-face -face meeting with God is not a metaphysical angels-on-a-ladder ephemeral thing, though that moment, too, has had its place. But this struggle is embodied. It changes him physically. It connects the corporeal with the cerebral. Jacob's spiritual awakening is directly tied to his own physical experience. And then the second scene, which is less well-known but no less important. After this late-night wrestling match, Jacob fearfully heads toward a reunion with his brother, who he has been told awaits him with 400 men. Things could get physical here for Jacob, and not in a good way. Instead, beautifully and improbably, the brothers reconcile. Jacob walks forward, alone, to greet his brother, and Esau runs toward him in return. He embraced him, the text tells us, and falling on his neck, he kissed him, and they wept. Brotherly bodies greeting one another in friendship for perhaps the first time ever. Even in the womb, we know, these twins fought with one another. Jacob describes the experience to Esau in very similar terms to his earlier struggle. To see your face is like seeing the face of God. Jacob's most direct experiences of the divine are not products of philosophizing or theorizing. They are grown out of his lived, messy, physical, embodied self. I came to a deeper understanding of the need to move a little bit out of my brain and a little bit into my body so that I could better encounter the sacred when studying this very portion while I was in rabbinical school. 
I was on retreat for my Tisch Fellowship in Washington, D.C., and our teacher for the week was Liz Lerman, a choreographer and MacArthur genius, who spends some of her time as a dance professor right here at ASU. I immediately panicked when I heard the theme of the week, catapulted back to my high school dance auditions. But part of Liz's genius is her ability to gently bring everyone into her teaching. And so I found myself barefoot, in breathable clothing, awaiting my choreographed fate. Liz brought us to this very portion of Vaishlach, and she told us, reading the words is one thing, but you will only unlock the full meaning of such a physical, tactile piece of Torah if you embody it yourself. The exercise she gave was simple. No waltz steps needed. Each of us facing a partner would act out Jacob's approach to his brother. The text tells us that at this moment of extreme vulnerability, Jacob bowed seven times, drawing ever nearer to Esau. Liz asked each person to take seven slow steps toward the partner waiting on the other side of the room. With each step, a bow, lower and lower, until by the seventh step, we were on the floor at the other person's feet. I did the exercise twice, once as each brother. And that simple act of putting Torah text into motion, of bringing sacred words into my own body, profoundly deepened my understanding of the story. I could not feel Esau's twisting emotions until I stood motionless while another person approached me, eyes and body brought lower and lower. I could not capture Jacob's anxious cocktail of fear and longing and hope until I moved my body as he did. God could not be found solely in Jacob's head or in our own. Torah cannot be understood solely on a page or in an ark or even a library. I believe with a whole heart that we meet the divine where we are. And where we are is not just a brain. It is chaotic and physical, fragile, humble, strong, striving, and real. Our bodies hold others through grief and joy. Our bodies grapple with the uncertainty of our lives. Our bodies take us across rivers and through fear and up mountains. Our bodies dance. Our faces are the face of God. So this Shabbat of Vayishlach, I pray that you might do as Jacob does, as I strive to do on my better days, to let yourself a little bit out of your mind and a little more into your body. 
And when I say body, I mean this body, the beautiful, divine, perfect thing that is you in this moment, not the one you plan to have after New Year's, or the one that looks like someone else, or even the one that you feel might be perfectly healed or whole. Jacob, as we know, has a broken hip. Isaac, eyes that are dim. Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel, wombs that do not work as they want. Yet their bodies lead them to God, exactly as they are. And yours can too. May you feel the sacred in every breath, every step, when you bow low and when you rise to embrace and be embraced. May you find God, may you find Torah, in life as it is lived, here and here and here and here and here.